Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 176 of X Lapsed, where it's uh, yet another day of Wolverine guest appearancing. Um, it's almost like the uh, 1990s never ended. Or maybe they're just making up for some lost time while Wolverine was dead, and uh, therefore, you know, totally unable to be guest appearancing everywhere. But here we are with the middle chapter of our little stint with The Runaways. This is Runaways, Volume 5, Number 34, at a May 2021 cover date. Stories called Come Away With Me, Part 3. Written by Rainbow Rowell, Art Andres Genole. Colors, D. Cunif, or Cunif, I don't know. Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna. Edits, Andros Ballesteros, Wisniewski, Lowe, and Sabolski. I think I might have said one of those names right. Cover price, $3.99. This one went on sale March 3rd of 2021. Now, before we get into it, let's talk about the cover. We don't always talk about the cover. I feel like we're doing it more and more often nowadays, but uh, generally speaking, we don't. But let's talk about this one, because uh, I almost can't put into words how much I like it when artists remember that Wolverine is, you know, short. Um, you know, he's not the six-foot-whatever Hugh Jackman. He's just a, a short dude. And this cover actually depicts Molly Hayes as being just a smidge taller than Logan, and uh, I really, really like that. Even inside the book, uh, Wolverine is shown as being rather squat. I'm not sure why so many artists can't seem to do this. Anyway, let's uh, crack this one open here. We open with a full-page spread of catch-up and cred. Now, we already navigated the catch-up during last issue of Runaways, so I don't think we need to again. Also, this entire issue is all about the Wolverine and Pixie guest spot anyway, so I feel like it'll probably... I feel like it could probably be read on its own without uh, needing all that much in the way of established Runaways context. There will be a couple of things at the end that I don't know a whole heck of a lot about that I'm going to assume is something that's, uh, you know, ongoing in the Runaways, but we'll get there when we get there. Now, we pick up right where we left off. Wolverine's got Molly slung over his shoulder, and he's about to trudge on out of the hostel. In a pretty funny bit here, Molly shakes free of Logan's grip, then picks him up and slings him over her shoulder. Wolverine is, uh, well, no pun intended, adamant that Molly had sent out a call of help. Uh, to, you know, to be taken to Krakoa, to be rescued, to be brought home. Molly reveals that she, in fact, did not do that. All she did was click a link asking for more information on the Krakoa website, which uh, our friend Jesse did send me a picture of here. Uh, this occurred back in Runaways number 32, which I haven't yet picked up, but uh, yeah, I probably will. 
I mean, a little aside here, um, you never, ever, ever click for more information on a website because they will never leave you alone. I mean, I've made that mistake several times when I was going, uh, when I was entertaining the uh, possibility of going back to school, going to college, and uh, eventually going to grad school. And, you know, you click on those things, and they, they're on you. Like, you might not even be done clicking, and your phone's ringing. It's, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, Molly, you should know. But I know you're just a kid, but uh, maybe this be a lesson learned for you. Now, Pixie, she explains that after Molly clicked for more info on Krakoa, they had received a pair of odd and concerning emails emanating from this same area. Wolverine asked to be put down before giving us a riff on the I'm getting too old for this, you know, sort of thing. He asks, you know, rhetorically, why the guy with the claws is sent on kindergarten duty. And, I mean, you gotta figure, because probably if they only sent Pixie, even fewer people would be reading this issue. Wolverine also asks why they have a Doombot answering the door, which is pretty cute. The Doombot, uh, he corrects him and says that he was just taking out the recycling, not answering the door. Pixie offers that they have a reason to believe that Molly might be in danger. And she suggests that perhaps Molly might even be uh, getting magically coerced right this very minute. And she says this while giving a bit of side-eye to Nico. They decide to bring out those suspicious emails, you know, that were sent to Krakoa, which of course brings us to an info... Wait, what? Wait a minute, not an info page? Wait a second, we're getting just a page where the characters are talking about what's in these emails and actually discussing what it all might mean? We're still allowed to do that? I I, I don't quite know what to say. It's, it's almost like I'm reading a comic book here. Holy smokes. Anyway, these emails are as follows. The first one, which arrived the morning of the previous day, is more or less pleading with our heroes to take them to Krakoa. They describe themselves as a powerful young mutant, which Molly takes exception to, claiming that she would never use those words to describe herself. The second email came in later on that very same day, which more or less says, never mind, with added, leave me alone for emphasis, uh, which is why our heroes believe that poor Molly might be under some sort of spell right now. Now, Chase traces the emails, basically just by looking at the tablet, I can't remember if he has some sort of tech-reading powers or anything, or maybe he's just like a whiz at, like, VPNs or whatever. I don't know. In any event, Chase is able to trace the source of these emails to the south side of Griffith Park. Now, Pixie posits that Molly's the only mutant living in Griffith Park, to which Chase informs her that this park is 4,300 acres big, which is, uh, if the internet, uh, you know, conversion chart is right, this is just shy of 7 square miles, or 17-ish square kilometers. So it's a pretty big space. Pretty big space. Uh, Pixie even comments that this park is larger than Abergild. Whatever that means. Now Wolverine's a bit incredulous, and also annoyed that they tried nabbing the wrong Rugrat. Molly informs him that, hey, this isn't even the first time you tried to kidnap me. And a handy editorial note points us to Runaways Volume 3, Number 10, which, believe it or not, was like 12 years ago. Now, this was during the Manifest Destiny arc of the X-Books, and, uh, you know what? Uh, Uncanny hadn't even been relaunched Skate 800 times at that point, so uh, far simpler times. Pixie apologizes to the Runaways and tells them that she and Logan will be on their way. Molly's all, hey, hold up. 
Because if there's a mutant in need in Griffith Park, then she's damn sure gonna go and help. And so, our heroes load into Chase's VW bus, which Logan gets the low-hanging fruit award for referring to as the Mystery Machine. Wolverine would rather just teleport, but uh, Pixie informs him that Nico's hex is still hindering her ability to do so, and she wonders if it's permanent. To which I say, don't worry, it's not. It's just, uh, well, for reasons we'll be getting to in a bit, necessary for those powers to be off the table for the rest of the issue. Now, as they pull out, Nico and Chase are in the front seat talking about this situation. Nico asks if Molly's even a mutant to begin with, claiming that she thought Molly was a test tube baby. I'm not sure those two things are mutually exclusive, but, uh, I mean, I'm no, uh, biologist. Uh, Molly and Pixie chat in the back. Molly asks if Pixie is actually a mutant herself, since she looks more like a fairy. Pixie then quotes my most used GIF reaction, Por que no los dos, or why not both? Time passes, and our crew arrives at the source of those emails, and, uh, well, it's just an empty field. Now, after a page of arguing whether or not Molly should be able to go with them, they head toward the clearing. Wolverine asks if Pixie is picking anything up, but she cannot, because Nico is pumping out way too much ambient magic for her to focus properly. Speaking of Nico, Pixie asks if there's any hoodoo she can do to tell if there are any other mutants here. And Nico and Chase are pretty dismissive of her, and they're kind of being jerks. Off to the side, Molly, who is supposed to be waiting in the car, posits that perhaps this clearing is actually a link to another dimension where this mutant is hiding. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly the ticket. She got it in one. Molly steps right out of this plane of existence and into another... And in the darkened void, she calls out for help. She's soon joined by Wolverine, Chase, and Old Lace. And she panics, and Chase rushes over to give her a big old hug. And, I mean, I get it. But I feel like they might be going a little too far with this. Like, how old is Molly supposed to be here? Is she, like, five years old? Like, she flips from being, like, wildly brave to a quivering mess on a dime. I, I don't know, it just doesn't feel natural. Uh, but then again, I'm not a uh, young girl, so uh, what do I know? Uh, Chase announces that they're leaving. Wolverine suggests that that might be easier said than done. Chase then wonders what happened to Nico and the, quote, hot dragonfly. Which, uh, you know, I'm not going to kink shame, but uh, I hope that's a fetish that doesn't actually exist. <sighs> what am I saying? Of course it exists. Um, let's swap over to Nico and the hot dragonfly. They're also in the void, and they're calling out to the others. Pixie calls out to whoever has brought them here, that mutant who is in danger, claiming that they mean them no harm. Nico suggests that whoever it is, they're probably not buying it. Pixie questions Nico's cynicism, which leads to Nico telling her not to call her by name since they're not friends. I'm not sure who we're supposed to be rooting for here. I really don't. Pixie then goes ahead and introduces herself, hopeful that this might simmer some of the tensions. She refers to herself as a mutant pixie nightmare girl, which I think was uh, like a little phrase going around during that Pixie Strikes Back miniseries, though I might be mistaken. Uh, There, she was cursed by a demon. I I think it might have even been a demonic version of her royal whiness. Again, I might be mistaken. Um, And I believe it was during that series where we find out that uh, Pixie might be Mastermind's sort of kind of daughter as well. Maybe? I don't know. Whatever the case, this seems to have settled Nico's tea kettle just a little bit. Suddenly, there's a weird buzzing and grinding sound, and it's heading right toward them. Let's head back over to Wolverine and the rest. 
Chase asks Logan what their plan is. And Wolverine kind of shrugs and he's like, hey, I usually just wait for something to happen and then I fight whatever that is. Chase isn't too impressed. Wolverine asks him, hey, you know what? Should it come to a fight? Which, come on, it undoubtedly will. What exactly does Chase bring to the table? So with a smirk, Chase raises his flaming fists. Then that buzzing and grinding sound approaches them. Back to the girls. They find themselves under attack of, uh, well, nebulous beasties. Nico believes them to be fake. But then one swipes and takes a big chunk out of Pixie's ponytail, so it is real. Nico asks if they're magic. Pixie says nope, because if they were, her soul dagger would do some damage, and it's not. She adds, uh, they also don't seem to have brains, as her pixie dusk power is not uh, having any effect either. Nico wonders what part of Pixie's body produces dust, which probably would have been a bit funnier and or grosser if we didn't just see it coming from her hands. Back to Molly and the gang. They're beating the bejesus out of the gaggle of beasties and appear to be having a heck of a good time doing it. Molly swings one around by its tail and hurls it away, proclaiming that she feels great. Back to the Goyles. Pixie pleads with Nico to try using some magic. And so she finally does. She waves her wand and commands the monster to disappear, and it works. Well, for one of them, anyway. But now, Nico's more confident that she can take these baddies out, so she waves her wand again and the rest at the rest of them and commands that all these monsters vanish. And as she does so... There's an ethereal blonde woman laughing in the background, like a, like a superimposed image of a character. I'm assuming this is a Runaways thing that I just am not aware of. So yeah, Nico shouts, but all it does is turn the monsters into ice cream cones on legs. And so the girls run. They run like hell. Pixie asks if Nico can teleport, to which Nico replies that she did one time. Pixie suggests that, hey, maybe we try that again. And so, Nico says, get real, which that same ethereal blonde woman smiles at the background at. But, bada-bing, bada-boom, our heroes are noinked from the void, and they wind up, stood and laying, before a palatial estate. Nico and Pixie hug and uh, stare longingly into each other's eyes. And that is where we leave it. Next episode... Believe it or not, it's finally time to meet the Children of the Atom. But for now, let's talk Runaways here. And this is uh, another one of those classic good news, bad news situations, isn't it? Because this was a fun issue. I like this issue a lot, but I just don't have a whole heck of a lot to say about it. I mean, perhaps if I were a more uh, talented or analytical sort, I'd be able to come up with a whole lot to talk about here. But mostly, I mean... All I can say is that I, I thought this was really good. I thought this was really fun. Um, I'm a little disappointed that uh, it wasn't Molly who sent the emails here. I, I don't know. I think it's just my X-Men homerism where it's like, if you're a mutant, I, I want you with the X-Men. You know, I always felt kind of ripped off when, like, Scarlet Witch would be on the, went back when she was a mutant, would be on the Avengers. And uh, Namor would be on his, you know, doing his own thing. Even when they introduce like Ricochet in Slingers, you know, and instead of putting him in the X Men, they like put him in Avengers Academy, you know. That, that kind of that kind of irritated me. Just as a as an X Men Homer, you know, uh, Firestar, Justice, characters like that. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> it's probably just me. I, I guess the uh, the Marvel Universe is a big enough place where we don't need all 
the mutants uh, on one island because, uh, well, we've got enough there as it is. But I was a little bit disappointed to learn that Molly wasn't, uh, didn't call out for help here. I think, and again, I'm coming at this with very little contextual um, knowledge uh, of this volume of Runaways here. So I don't know if Molly's experienced anything kind of rough over the past several issues. I do know that this is a, uh, not not by any fault of uh, creative, but I think more a fault of uh, situations like the, you know, the COVID hiatus and stuff like that. I think this is a very slow-moving series. Um, and hopefully one of these days, like maybe when I catch up with uh, the X-Books here, I can maybe take a day and, and read through a bunch of it. But uh, as for now, I just don't have the context necessary. Um, like, I don't know if in a moment of weakness, Molly would ask for help from Krakoa. Or maybe she had an argument with one of the runaways and was like, you know, screw you guys, I don't need you, and reached out to Krakoa and then realized that, uh, you know, maybe she didn't actually mean it. But that's not what we get here. That isn't what we get here. What we get is a nebulous new mutant, uh, perhaps an evil mutant, likely a very scared um, mutant in this void in Griffith Park. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, I feel like... It's weird, we just covered indigenous voices um, not too long ago on the program. And I see these, like, beasties coming at our at our heroes in the void. And I was instantly reminded of, I think it was Julius in the, uh, the Moonstar and Wolfsbane story in indigenous voices who had very similar powers to that. I don't think it's the same guy. I don't think it's the same character, but... Uh, I don't know, it just felt like a, uh, it reminded me of it, is, is I guess what I'm trying to say here. For better or for worse, it really isn't a uh, isn't an indictment on the quality here. There's only so many mutant powers that we can have, especially for uh, perhaps, a, perhaps a throwaway tie-in like this might ultimately wind up being. I really can't say. As far as the rest of the story is concerned, um, I feel like maybe they leaned a little too far into uh, Nico and Chase being standoffish. Um, I, I totally get what they're going for there in that, uh, you know, they're worried. You know, Wolverine shows up at their door demanding one of their own. Um, it stands to reason that they would want to accompany Molly on this mutant rescue mission uh, one way or the other uh, because they don't trust Wolverine or Pixie. And uh, I just feel like, um, I don't know, it felt, I don't want to use the word artificial, because, again, I'm not a kid, and maybe this is how kids act. It's been a long time since I was a kid, and uh, folks who knew me when I was a kid may contest the fact that I ever I ever was one. So uh, it very well could be that uh, Nico and Chase, well, Nico especially, would be um, so contentious, so hot and cold with uh, with Pixie there. But ultimately, they, they got over it. They got over it here. Uh, Nico learned something from Pixie, uh, learned to... Uh, I guess, be confident in her magical abilities and, you know, actually try, try things that uh, might frighten her or might, uh, or might be things that she's not sure she can do because uh, ultimately it worked. It got them out of the void. Uh, it made one of the monsters disappear. Of course, it made the other two into ice cream cones, but uh, it got them out. It got them out safely. Um, the ending where they're like, it, it looked like one of those... Yeah, you know those like weird images with like the, the the negative space where it's either a vase or two faces staring at one another. You know, if you're looking at like the black in the middle, it's a vase, but the white, it's two faces. 
that's what we got from Nico and Pixie. And I, I don't know if there was any kind of relevance to that or if maybe there's a, I don't know if there's a romance brewing. I really couldn't tell you, but uh, it felt like a uh, a little a little too, uh, I don't know, just a polar different from what we had before between the two of them. It, uh, they skipped, you know, just the uh, acquaintance stage and went to best friend. <laughs> it felt very, very strange. But again, I mean, they went through something together. So maybe that's uh, just a, a thing where it is what it is. Um, do want to talk about the art here. The art was very, very nice. Uh, Wolverine here, they, they, they walked the line between Wolverine being... You know, just like a cantankerous-looking guy and also kind of a clown, but it worked. Like, he was making exaggerated, annoyed faces, and it doesn't always work, but here, I, I kind of dug it. I, I like the idea of Wolverine coming to, on what he thinks is just a routine pickup and then running into a whole bunch of static and realizing he's going to have to deal with a bunch of kids that he probably would rather not have to cross paths with, so... Good enough stuff here. Um, uh, Pixie, we don't see enough of her. I know that she is going to at least be a presence in the Way of X book. Uh, and it felt like, like I talked about Pixie Strikes Back not too long ago, it felt like they strapped the rocket to her back, uh, what was that, 2012, 2013-ish? I thought she was going to be a um, a much more a prevalent character in the X books over, you know, in the interim. And she really hasn't been. Um in looking at some of the books that I'd missed out on during my ex-hiatus, uh, I'll see Pixie in the background. And, I mean, she's just a background character. I think I've referred to her a couple of times as just another piece of X-Men wallpaper, you know, because she's just really not used as well as she could be. And hopefully hopefully this marks a change in that. You know, if she is going to be a big part of Way of X, uh, I like how she was portrayed here. Um it's good to see her in action again So that's a that's always a good thing But I think That's about all I got to say about this I think I stretched this one out as far as I possibly could Now I would love to hear your thoughts On this issue, on this story On any issue, and on any story So if you have a minute and would like to reach out Please feel free to do so You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics Or you can shoot me an email over to WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com for blog posts and show notes, you can go over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. Uh, it's also Instagram 90s X-Men, which still only has one picture up. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, for all of your Chris and Reggie listening needs, you can go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available anywhere you find noise and or sound. And uh, if you like what you hear there or at least appreciate the effort behind it, please consider telling a friend or two that it exists and... Uh, Maybe it might be something they'd like to uh, waste a little time on. <laughs> I would really, really appreciate it. Speaking of which, I appreciate it so, so much that you'd share a little bit of your time with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.